welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for April the 1st of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast platforms around the world five days a week, it's your one-stop shop for all of the hottest gaming news that you need to know. And of course, I always love bringing it to you guys. Uh, But a couple of pieces of housekeeping. First and foremost, got the clean shave going on. Woke up this morning, had that quarantine five o'clock shadow going on. We had to get rid of that real fast. On top of that, I would have gotten my hair cut three days ago if the barber shops were open. So for the next two weeks, I'm essentially going to be a humanoid woolly willy uh, where I just start sprouting hair and look really disheveled. And then I'll fix that temporarily. But the hair is just going to be quickly turning into Joe Exotic. Uh, That's what I'm trying to say. But that's all beside the point. We've got plenty of gaming news to dive into today. Because Twitch has broken various viewership records amid the coronavirus quarantine. These are some numbers I've been waiting on for a very long time. And of course, the source is Streamlabs and StreamHatch, but this is being reported by The Hollywood Reporter. Amazon's Twitch streaming platform hit all-time highs in hours watched, hours streamed, and concurrent viewers amid the coronavirus quarantine, according to a new report from analytics firm Streamlabs and StreamHatchet. For the first time since the platform debuted in 2012, Twitch topped 3 billion hours watched over the first quarter of 2020 between January and March. During the period, Twitch accounted for 65% of total streaming hours watched and 72% of total hours streamed, topping competitors' YouTube Gaming, Facebook Gaming, and Microsoft's Mixer platform. Twitch also saw a notable increase from last quarter, both in total hours watched and streamed. Both numbers have been trending downward in 2019, hitting a low of 2.7 billion and 100 million respectively, before spiking in Q1 2020 to 3.1 billion hours watched and 121.4 million hours streamed. Concurrent viewers on the platform, meanwhile, went from 1.2 million in Q4 2019 to 1.4 million in Q1 2020. Twitch was not the only streaming platform to see an increase. Across multiple platforms, numbers were up in Q1 as more viewers and streamers were encouraged to shelter in place at their homes. YouTube Gaming's live streaming services saw a 13% increase in total hours watched, peaking at just over 1 billion from the previous quarter, accounting for 22% of the total market share. Hours streamed on the platform also increased by 14% to 14 million. Facebook Gaming saw an even more dramatic bump in Q1, up more than 20% in total hours watched on the platform to 553.7 million, accounting for 11% of the total market share. Hours streamed also went up 11% to 4.9 million. Both numbers represent a major increase year over year for Facebook Gaming, 236% for hours watched and 131% for hours streamed. Microsoft's Mixer, however, experienced a decrease in hours watched, down more than 7% from the previous quarter, accounting for just 2% of the total market share. The total number of hours streamed on the platform went up just over 1% to 28.3 million. Those are some interesting statistics, and the big takeaway from this for me is that if Mixer can't see a way to gain viewership in the midst of a worldwide pandemic when people are literally off of school and out of work for multiple weeks at a time, I don't really see them having a big place in the future of the streaming space. And I think that, quite frankly, Mixer would have gone away a long time ago if it was not tied directly to Xbox. Uh, Now, I know they've done many brand marketing campaigns when they say, we're not just Xbox. We love PlayStation, Nintendo. They interact with all of these platforms uh, on Twitter to kind of solidify in your mind. Hey, they like all of the guys and you can stream whatever you want. 
But Mixer is built into Xbox. It's owned by Microsoft. You can never escape that close affiliation with the Xbox brand. Uh, and quite frankly, I feel like they should probably embrace that. And that might be the pivot that we see coming. Uh, but right now, Twitch is still continuing to dominate. And I think that the most potential uh, for growth right now is likely in YouTube gaming. Just because of the existing adoption rate of YouTube as a platform, I think that could see continued growth. Additionally, I do want to riff on Facebook gaming for a minute because a lot of people write Facebook off as a platform uh, that isn't built around gaming. And no, it's not. It's built as an ecosystem. And I've said this before and I will always bring it up, uh, but Facebook is a platform where you have users that literally never go out of that application. You have people using it for news, for weather, for a Craigslist style function in Marketplace. Uh, you have people watching videos on Facebook Watch instead of going to YouTube. Instead of using Twitter, they use their Facebook feed to keep up with their friends and people that they respect and want to hear from. Uh, and on top of that, you see Facebook Live videos and now you have Facebook gaming coming into the mix. Uh, really, there is a huge untapped amount of potential on Facebook if you are creating content that fits that specific crowd. Uh, now for me, my content doesn't necessarily necessarily fit that specific crowd. Uh, but people have found incredible success and are continuing to find success on Facebook gaming. And that is something that is cool to see. But Twitch continues to dominate as the coronavirus pandemic locks us all in our homes and forces us to socialize through screens instead of actually seeing people. And let me tell you right now, I'm not a social person normally. I've, I've pretty much been a homebody my whole life. Even now that I have my own place, I don't throw parties. I don't go out much. I mean, I'm talking to you on a podcast right now, but let me tell you right now, as soon as all this is over and as soon as I have the green light to go out and do something, I'm going to go wild because I am so ready to leave this apartment. You won't, you don't even know, man. I want to go to work. I'm thinking about just going to work, but I can't because I don't want to spread the corona. Oh my God. I cannot wait to leave this place. But regardless, a lot of people are trapped inside and I am one of those that has been diving into the Twitch archives and digging in and seeing exactly just how uh, many people I can find that I used to watch and I can dive back into their streams and get reacquainted. However, this is a very big deal. This is a piece from Jason Schreier over at Kotaku, but Despite huge sales, Borderlands 3 developers are getting stiffed on bonuses according to some sources. The video game Borderlands 3 was a big sales success when it launched last fall according to its publisher 2K, which described it as a billion dollar global brand. That's why it is so shocking to employees at Gearbox, the developer of the game, when the studio CEO Randy Pitchford told them yesterday they would not receive the significant royalty bonuses they expected. Employees at the studio will get small bonus checks, but nothing close to the tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands that many had expected. This account is based on conversations with six people close to Gearbox, all speaking anonymously because they were not authorized to talk about what happened. Some said it was crushing news that has upended their financial plans for the future. Gearbox, based in Frisco, Texas, offers its employees below average salaries for the video game industry, according to more than a dozen current and former Gearbox staff who have spoken to Kotaku over the years. To make up for that, the studio offers something unique, profit sharing. Royalties from all of the developers' games are split 60-40, with 60% going back into the company and its owners, while 40% is distributed to employees in the form of quarterly bonuses. This system has been in place since Gearbox's inception, and when the company has big hits, it can be lucrative. When 2012's massive Borderlands 2 came out, many Gearbox workers made enough money to buy houses, a fact that the studio often touted when recruiting new employees. 
Since then, however, Gearbox has been struggling, failing to find much financial success with flops like Aliens, Colonial Marines, and Battleborn. As a result, quarterly bonuses have been getting smaller and smaller in recent years. In 2020, that was supposed to change. Several Gearbox employees told Kotaku that company management promised them six-figure bonuses following the launch of Borderlands 3. The more years they have been with the company, the larger the check. This vision for financial success helped Gearbox's developers get through many long nights and weekends working on the game. Then, in a meeting yesterday, Gearbox boss Randy Pitchford told employees that Borderlands 3 bonus checks would be significantly lower than they had hoped, according to three people who were present. He said the game had been more expensive than expected, the company had grown significantly larger than it had been in the past, it now operates a second studio in Quebec, Canada, and that their sales projections had been off base. The game had sold very well. Quote, we expect lifetime unit sales to be a record for the series, said Strauss Zelnick, CEO of 2K parent company Take-Two, on an earnings call in February, but it cost way too much to make. One large factor was a technology swap midway through development from the Unreal Engine 3 to Unreal Engine 4, which added a great deal of time to the project. In addition, before Gearbox could receive any royalties from publisher 2K, Borderlands 3 would have to recoup not just the game's entire budget, around $95 million, but also the budget for all of the downloadable content for a sum closer to $140 million thanks to a contract from the two companies from earlier in the development. Pitchford also told Gearbox developers that if they were not happy with the royalty system, they were welcome to quit, according to those who were in the meeting. He did not attribute the diminished bonuses to the coronavirus pandemic, which has led to economic uncertainty and pay cuts in many other fields. He did say that he hoped to get more money to employees as an advance from 2K on future royalties. When asked for a comment, Gearbox sent over the following statement. Quote, Borderlands 3 represents an incredible value to gamers and an incredible achievement by the team at Gearbox Software. Our studio is talent-led and we believe strongly in everyone sharing in profitability. The talented Gearbox enjoys participation in the upside of our games, to our knowledge, the most generous royalty bonus system in AAA. Since this program began, Gearbox talent has earned over $100 million in royalty bonuses above and beyond traditional compensation. In the most recent pay period, Gearbox Talent enjoyed news that Borderlands 3, having earned revenue exceeding the largest investment ever made by the company into a single video game, had officially become a profitable video game and that the talented Gearbox that participates in the royalty bonus system has now earned their first royalty bonus on that profit. Additionally, a forecast update was given to that talent at Gearbox that participates in the royalty bonus system to set expectations for the coming quarters. Gearbox is a private company that does not issue forward-looking statements into the public, but we do practice transparency within our own family. Last year, former Gearbox lawyer Wade Callender became entangled in an ugly set of lawsuits with the studio. In one suit, he alleged that Pitchford had taken a $12 million bonus in 2016 when development started on Borderlands 3. The bonus did exist, according to two people with knowledge of what happened, but it came out of the company's 60%, not the 40% of profits that were meant to go to employees. Still, yesterday's news, combined with word of Pitchford's hefty bonus, has upset a number of Gearbox employees, some of whom say they expect an exodus in the near future. Those who made financial plans based on the expectations set by the company's management may now find themselves in tough spots. Gearbox, which is privately owned, has been seeking to go public, according to two people familiar with the company's plans. It remains to be seen how this news will impact that. So that was a bit of a long article, but I had to read it all because now you get the gist of the entire situation. Uh, this is something that is difficult to speak on from an outsider's perspective because when it comes to bonuses, 
they in a way are baked into people's financial plans, especially if these are bonuses that are laid out at the beginning of employment or if it's something that is made known early on. Uh, it brings me back to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when half of the movie hinges on Clark Griswold being promised this giant bonus for him to put in a swimming pool. Uh, that's kind of the situation that I'm getting the vibe of here. Uh, now, the question here is, what kind of language was used? What is the terminology of a promise? Uh, there are a lot of questions that I have about this entire situation, but assuming that the situation is as it is presented within this article, uh, this seems to be very confusing for me. Uh, now, of course, this is a very big company with plenty of money, but at the same time, the coronavirus pandemic is definitely uh, putting a strain on people financially and companies financially as well. And so I'm very curious to see if this uh, this this holding back of certain funds, this this frugality is in response to potentially looking into the future and saying, hey, we might not meet these projections because I think it's no mystery. I think it's no surprise even uh, that Borderlands 3 is not as popular as Borderlands 2, at least in terms of people coming back to continue playing the game. Now, more DLC is coming. On top of that, Borderlands 3 is a fine game, but it does not have the popularity. It does not have the name power of Borderlands 2. It just simply never will have that same kind of prestige. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what it was. You can talk to various streamers around the industry that went all in on Borderlands Borderlands 3 when it launched, but um, it just wasn't horrible by any means. It wasn't even bad. It's a good game, a great game, some may say, but it wasn't as good as Borderlands 2. And so I think that's kind of the approach that the people are taking over at uh, Gearbox, and I think that it's uh, something that definitely would be you know, using more insider information to get a broader look at exactly what's happening behind closed doors. Uh, but right now, it looks like the boat is rocking over at uh, Gearbox, and I would be shocked if we didn't hear more information about this in the coming days, because I think some big shakeups are about to happen over there. But, of course, we saw Mark Cerny a couple of weeks back talk about the PlayStation 5 in excruciating depth went very uh, technical with it but phil spencer felt even better about xbox series x after the playstation 5 reveal and it's still on track for 2020. today ign's ryan mccaffrey released an unlocked podcast featuring xbox head phil spencer a lot of new details were revealed but the biggest news from the interview was the fact that xbox series x is still on track the supply chain in china is coming back after the coronavirus outbreak ravaged the nation and console hardware is still on track if there is any delay, it will be related to software, but Spencer does not think that is likely. Spencer was also asked about how he felt when the PlayStation 5 specifications were revealed a few days ago. Spencer said that he felt even better. The Xbox Series X has a more powerful CPU and GPU than Sony's machine, as well as other advantages when it comes to generating visuals. Quote, when we saw the public disclosure, I felt even better about the choices that we made on our platform, and I kind of expected that I would. The hardware team that did Xbox One X, I have a lot of confidence in them. If I give them the time and the targets to go hit, I just believe in their ability to create. Spencer is also confident about the price point the company is targeting for the Xbox Series X, but no new information was revealed. The pricing should be revealed later this summer as we get closer to launch. Quote, I feel good about the price we'll be able to get to. I feel good about the price and performance capabilities that we have for the Xbox Series X. I feel incredibly strong about the overall package. We think it's a winning plan. We are going to make sure we stay agile on our pricing. 
The Xbox Series X wants to eliminate loading times on Xbox Series X and Project X Cloud, Microsoft's game streaming service, may play a major role in this. Spencer said that making Project X Cloud available on consoles makes a ton of sense for playing immediately or testing out various games, but the experience will be on local hardware, especially when it comes to input lag. McCaffrey also asked Spencer about the controversial decision to remove the optical audio port, and Microsoft discussed the removal with companies like Astro Early and is working with them to enable existing devices through USB. Many people did not use the optical audio port, so it would have just made the console more expensive. Interesting news here. So I think that there are a couple of ways you can perceive this. You never want to have an interview as somebody who is the leader of a team and say, I saw that presentation and it makes my hardware look horrible. Uh, and number one, that would be a horrible PR move. But on top of that, that's not the case at all. The Xbox Series X is on paper more powerful. Now, the press has been covering the PlayStation 5 a lot more. You've been seeing discussions about how uh, developers are talking about the potential of the PlayStation 5 and saying things like the optimization of the hardware is unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I think that's really what this generation is going to come down to. Ultimately, where PlayStation 5 lacks power, it makes up for it in optimization and speed. Where the Xbox Series X lacks in optimization and speed, it brings graphical power and the power of Project xCloud, which of course you do have uh, similar technology behind PlayStation. They bought uh, Merkai, I believe is what it was called, a streaming platform that was popular a couple of years back, and they've been using that for PlayStation Now and a couple of other projects. Uh, so I think that ultimately these two generations are going to be pretty on par, which brings me back to the games. It really does come down to the games. Uh, and of course, we can talk all day about the PlayStation 5 versus the Xbox Series X, but but ultimately, I will say Phil Spencer, very cool guy. Glad to see him coming on the Unlocked podcast and uh, cannot wait to get my hands on some new generation hardware because whether it's PlayStation or Xbox, I'm ready for something new. Can't wait to see what they have up their sleeves. But to round off today's show, we have some great news. Infinity Ward brings down the ban hammer on 50,000 Warzone cheaters. It's been out for less than a month, yet it seems like Call of Duty Warzone already has a bit of a cheating problem, especially on PC. A quick browse through the Modern Warfare subreddit will bring dozens of examples of wall hacking and aimbots, and it's prompted some console players to opt out of crossplay entirely for fear of being lumped in with cheaters on PC. Just take a look at the end of one game from the perspective of a hacker or the person showing off their Warzone hacks on TikTok. And of course, there you have it. That's exactly uh, what you can get right here. Uh, basically, it's just aimbotting the same kind of exact stuff you've seen for Call of Duty for years and years and years to come. Of course, they continue on, but ultimately, it is just one of those things where you laser people and it's it's getting kind of ridiculous. It's just, it's unfair. But... All of that to the side. The speed at which these hacks have appeared is likely because Warzone is attached to Call of Duty Modern Warfare, a game that's been out since October of last year, giving dubious characters plenty of time to develop hacks. But last night, Infinity Ward unveiled further plans to address the problem in Warzone specifically, saying it has zero tolerance towards cheaters and it has been working hard to punish them. We have been enforcing accounts bans since day one of Warzone's release, explained the blog post. To date, we have issued more than 50,000 permabans worldwide. To put that in context, as of the 20th of March, Warzone had a player base of 30 million, although it's likely that number has since increased. The measures currently in place to catch cheaters include 24-7 security teams to monitor behavior, such as identifying aimbox, wall hacks, and more, along with an automated report system that filters submissions based on key data. 
Infinity Ward recognizes there is still work to be done to improve the situation. The currently awkward report system, which requires players to go into the recent players tab off the main menu, is said to be streamlined to make the option easier to find. To keep players informed of progress, Infinity Ward will provide a regular count on the latest number of bans handed out. Quote, simply put, there is no place for cheating. We recognize there is no single solution for combating cheaters. It's a constant enforcement every day, 24-7. Rest assured, we are committed to ensuring a fun and fair experience for everyone, end quote. Let's hope Infinity Ward manages to weed out most of the cheaters, even if it removes my easy excuse for getting shot. So, uh, right now, the situation stands. Uh, cheaters are still a big problem. I've been watching a lot of Warzone on Twitch, and with some of the biggest streamers, uh, you see them getting killed three, four games in a row, and it's getting to be quite ridiculous. Uh, and, of course, I think this is a pretty easy fix, all things considered. Now, it takes manpower. It takes uh, even AI, I think, could benefit uh, greatly in this case. But to implement a system similar to PUBG, where you can report directly in your kill cam perfect opportunity uh and then if the report is in fact not true if they are just really good at the game uh then somebody can inspect that and move on but i think that a report system on the kill cam would definitely benefit this but hey 50,000 more zone cheaters that's not a number to shake a stick at that's a lot of people so good on them for keeping the game clean and trying their best as time goes on. Uh, but Warzone is really improving a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan of it, and I think that it's going to be the most popular Battle Royale this year uh, if it continues its trend. But they really have to get a handle on these cheaters because it's getting uh, to be a bit ridiculous. It's just it's sad. And if you're too bad at the game to win, you might just want to play until you get good or find something else like, you know, Hello Kitty Island Adventure. I don't know, man. Uh, but that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about today's news. Twitch breaking records, of course, on top of that. Stuff happening at Gearbox with the bonuses. Phil Spencer's comments on the Xbox Series X. I would love to hear your thoughts on these stories and more. But until tomorrow, you guys have a good one. I'll talk to you soon and peace.